Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Tell you this, one of the things that a lot of times it's, it's really easy to just kind of look at what's going on in the world and you think that this is all new stuff that uh, these are brand new problems that are unique to our generation, to our day and age that we're living in. And a lot of times folks will look at it, it's like it's, this has got to just about be the end, it's got to be the end times, and, and, and it very well could be. It very well could be that. However, uh, sometimes I almost think we use that attitude as a way to kind of just give up and quit praying for revival. We just start, And that's what we really ought to be doing because the truth is, in our history, there have been some extremely, extremely wicked, wicked times. Worse than where we're at right now, and the Lord has brought revival. And so I don't think we ought to give up on revival. I think we need to uh, keep doing whatever we can for it, pray for it, be witnessing to people. Because the truth is, what we have going on in our country today is not really that unique to history. It's gotten pretty, it's been pretty wicked. And we're going to read a couple of verses here about a time and about an attitude that was going on during this time that is very similar to an attitude we see today. And in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 14, it says, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? Nay. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And then if you go on and you read chapter 8, verse 11 through 12, it says the exact same thing in those verses. Were they ashamed? Nay. They couldn't even blush. And you all know what that's like. My daughter, Abby, she's probably going to blush right now because I'm talking about her. It's it's funny. I mean, it doesn't take much to just get her face to turn beet red. And you know, we kind of laugh at her sometimes. Abby's your face red right now. She's got it down, I think, trying to hide it. Oh yeah, it's red. <laughs> and she, I mean, she definitely, uh, she knows how she she's got her blush. And you know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing because oh, and these people, the Bible says they couldn't blush because there was nothing that embarrassed them. They were committing abominations. And you would think that they they would be ashamed of that, but they weren't. They it didn't bother them at all. There was a day when in our society, not that long ago, when certain sins would make people blush, sins that would bring them great shame. But today, there seems to be very little that makes people blush, and there is little just expectation from anybody today, and some things. There are some things that ought to cause us to blush. And you know, I'm not going to speak so much for the world tonight. I'm probably going to talk about them a little bit. But you know, uh, these messages, they're not going to do a whole lot of good for folks who are not saved or folks who are not here. But for God's people though, that we definitely should not fall into that category. And the truth is, in the Bible, a lot of times when it would say these things like this, it was talking about Israel. These were God's people. And they committed abominations. And they weren't ashamed. They couldn't even blush. And we see some things throughout the Bible that set, that we see uh, things that we ought to be ashamed of. And I want to talk about some of those things tonight. And one of those things we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. 
It says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. He wanted him to know how to behave himself in the house of God. You know, many people today in churches, they have no clue how to behave themselves. There's things that go on in church today that people really ought to be embarrassed about. Uh, the music that goes on in some places today. I've been places before in churches where uh, you know you go there, you've never been there before, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, and all of a sudden you just hear the music starts. And you're like, oh boy. And it, myself, I, I get embarrassed sometimes. I've been in churches before. I was at one one time. It was a good church, but uh, I get, they didn't have the same music standards we do. And this guy got up there to sing, and I remember the soundtrack that he was playing with the soundtrack and it started and this crazy drum thing started and then something messed up and it stopped and we were just like, whoa, what was, what was that? And then they went and started again and, you know, the drums went crazy. I was embarrassed and it was weird because it was, the rest of the song was pretty much fine. It was just that intro was crazy and it was like, well, where did that come from? And I'm, I'm sitting there and this isn't my church. Uh, my family wasn't even, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed by that. Um, but behavior in the house of God. Some of these folks that will get up in church and start doing the tongue talking and just going crazy and spazzing out during the services. I mean, it's, it's almost embarrassing. They, they, you would think they would be embarrassed by that. You would think they would be ashamed, they would blush, but it doesn't seem to affect them at all. We ought to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God. Not just things like that, but even these days, some folks, especially younger people, I mean, they'll come walking into a church and don't even know any better to take their hat off during the service. Just, hey, you know, have some respect. That kind of etiquette, it's not, it's not really taught anymore. There was one day I was, I was here at the church and it was so funny because, um, with the job that I do, uh, there was, they had asked me if I would train some guys and they wanted them to come to this area and they wanted me to sit down with them and just kind of show them how to do everything. And I told them, I was like, well, I'm going to be at the church during that time. If they want to stop by the church, they can. And there was a group of about five guys. They all came in. Pretty pretty rough looking group. And you can tell they were kind of nervous the whole time because they're at a church. And you know, I'm wearing regular clothes, but you know, we went downstairs and I'm kind of showing them everything and I was telling about something, I don't even remember what it was, and one of the guys like slipped up and said a cuss word. You know, and, and it was so funny because all the other guys they just kinda <laughs> and then and then he just oh and he was so embarrassed. And you could you know you could tell this guy, I mean he was probably does quite a bit of that and he just forgot for one second that he was in a church. But you know, even those guys, I, I at least respected the fact that they were trying really hard. They were not used to being in a church at all. I think it scared them a little bit having to come and do, and do that here. But uh, I thought it was kind of funny. I, I enjoyed it a little bit. But it was funny too because after they were done, uh, they all went to the bar. And I think it was probably because after being in the church for about an hour, they <laughs> they needed a drink. But they it was it was. But even those guys, they knew. And some people these days, they don't know any better. The other day I went and I and this wasn't even in the church, but I was I had a flat tire. And I'm pull over the spot, and you know, you know those jacks that are in your cars that are just worthless and take you six hours just to 
jack your car up and I'm out there and I'm starting to labor away on that thing. And thank the Lord, this fellow comes out right there from the house and he's got one of those big jacks you can just stick under there and jack it up in five seconds. And man, just save my life. And that guy's talking to me and he's just being as nice as can be. He's got a smile on his face, but his language was horrible. I cannot imagine what this guy would sound like when he was in a bad mood. Because, I mean, his language was just awful. And, you know, and I'm talking to him and I... I he asked a little about me, and I threw in the fact that I was a pastor, thinking, man, that'll, that maybe will help the language a little bit. It, it didn't help one bit. And he was, he was being nice. And his language was horrible. But I'm, and I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm thinking, good night. I would be ashamed to go on the top of a mountain and use that kind of a language. But yet these days, folks, doesn't matter who they're around. It doesn't matter where they're at. They can talk like that and they don't even blush. And that definitely shouldn't be the case with us as Christians. And in the house of God, you know, you hear about some of the fights and things that will take place in church and the contention that goes on. You'd think folks would be ashamed to have that kind of behavior in the house of God. I've heard stories about, you know, business meetings and things that have gotten out of hand and just some of the fighting that will go back and forth, and sometimes even the language, and it's like, I don't, I don't get that. You would think they would be humiliated. I remember I, uh, a family member of mine one time was telling me about an incident in their church where they were having a basketball game, and you know, you get a bunch of guys together and start playing sports, especially when uh, they're getting to the age where they're not very good anymore. One of the things that kind of happens when they start doing bad is they get a little frustrated and get a little gets a little ugly sometimes. And I'm, I, this is a bunch of church folks that loved each other, been going to the same church for years, and they got in a fight. They got in a big knockdown drag out. And some of them, man, they were stubborn about it, and they're there in church the next day, and they're all sitting there, and the spirit was just awful. And the pastor, he just, he, had, he he just got up there and called them all out on it. And a couple, one of them tried being stubborn and tried, you know, Tony was right. He just kind of had to shut up. And finally, the guy admitted, you know, admitted he was wrong. And finally, finally got ashamed and got through and got things right. And you know, they straightened it all out. But boy, it's crazy what happened. But there's our behavior sometimes ought to embarrass us. And listen, we're none of us are going to be perfect. We're going to have those times maybe where we lose our temper, where we do something we shouldn't. But I hope the day never comes where. We're never, we're not embarrassed by it. We've all done that, been there before where we look back and we think about something we did and we're embarrassed by it. And that's a good thing to be embarrassed, to be ashamed, because unfortunately the world today is not embarrassed about what they're doing. Another example of something that we ought to be ashamed of and that our world ought to be ashamed of is its clothing, or should I say, lack of it. You know, it's human nature to want to be clothed. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, after Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It says, "...and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron." There was something that just instinctively happened when they ate that fruit that they knew. Hey, they were embarrassed. They were immediately embarrassed. I saw a video of a guy... <laughs> just just yesterday, it was so funny. He was one of America's funniest home videos, and he was up giving a speech, and he's wearing you know like khaki pants and a shirt and a tie, and he was talking about something. Then he like went to switch to the subject of sports, 
And then he went and he took his shirt off and he had like a, a sport shirt on under it. And then he went to take his pants off and he was supposed to have shorts under there because he was like switching to sports. But he forgot to put the shorts on. And he went and he pulled his pants down and wasn't wearing the shorts. And of course, he's embarrassed and he's humiliated about it. But you know what? That's natural. To be embarrassed by that, but yet our world today, and especially now, it's starting to get warmer out. And you're going to see folks out there that are in positions that they should be ashamed of, are dressed in a way that they ought to be embarrassed. They ought to turn red, but they don't. They don't even blush. And it's a sad thing too when you see that even happening in Christianity. The eyes of them both were open. They knew that they were naked. They tried to cover it up. It's completely natural to want to do that. It's completely unnatural to not want to do that. I mean, but it's, uh, it's getting out of hand. Another thing that we ought to be ashamed of, Titus chapter 2 in verse 6, is our, we see, is our speech. It says, Young men likewise exhort to be sober minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil to say of you. Sound speech. What we talk about, uh, or there are some things that if we talk about, it ought to embarrass us. We ought to be ashamed. I remember when I worked at Walmart, there was one time we were sitting there in the break room and there was a couple uh, Mexican fellows there. You know, They were bilingual. Sometimes they'd be sitting there having a conversation and English sometimes would be in Spanish. But I remember one time, they were sitting there and they're talking way in English, and all of a sudden this lady comes walking in the room, and I saw him look at her, and then all of a sudden they switched to Spanish, and it was because I think I was right there, and it was I was just guessing the conversation probably wasn't appropriate, and they didn't want me to, they didn't want anybody else to know what they were saying, and you know at least they tried to cover it up a little bit because they were ashamed. Sometimes you'll see folks they'll start whispering whenever they're talking about something they shouldn't talk about. They'll put their hand. Over their mouth. I was always a Cubs fan growing up, and back when Don Zimmer was the manager of the Cubs, and Don Zimmer, he was one of those guys who would get in the face of the umpire sometimes and just be yelling and screaming at him. And one time he was doing it. Apparently, there was a news interview. They were talking to him, and because a lot of times when he would yell at umpires, he'd have his hand over his mouth. And the reason he did that was because his mother one time was watching a game, and she read his lips. And did not appreciate what he had said. And she called him up and kind of let him have it. And so whenever he was yelling at those umpires, he'd be there sometimes yelling, he'd have his hand over his mouth. Because he didn't want his mom knowing what he was saying. He was embarrassed. But yet, I remember, in our world today, there is just no shame over it. The last time I was at a Cubs game, it was awful. We were there and the whole, we're over in the foul ball section, the whole bleachers section, is all chanting obscenities at the other team. I thought, good night. Are there this many people in the world that cuss? They use that kind of language. I was, I was blown away by it. I was embarrassed. And I'm not the one doing it because I'm thinking these are fellow human beings, fellow Americans, fellow Cub fans. Oh, these Cub fans, they're a vile bunch. Almost made me want to switch to another team, but I imagine it goes on in other places too. But our, but at the same time, as Christians, 
Bible's saying here what our speech is ought to cause others to be ashamed. When other people are maybe tearing other people down, when their other people are gossiping or just using profanity, being gross, as Christians, the opposite ought to be coming out of our mouth. It ought to be convicting them, that person. While we're, they're trying to tear them down, we're trying to lift people up. We're trying to help. We're trying to be exhorting. There ought to clearly be a difference. And listen, I'm not talking about going and trying to make people uncomfortable. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about a lot of times you can get the message across just by talking in the right way. I think I told you before, one of my supervisors I had one day, I was having a discussion with him and we were, I was, uh, we were talking about an incident that had taken place that I had seen take place. And there was some words that were said in this incident by somebody and I was kind of explaining the situation to him. And I had a hard time telling him what happened because I could not say what was said. I don't even like, you know, initialing bad words or using alternatives or anything. So I'm just kind of telling the story and I'm leaving out all the cuss words. And he could kind of tell. And he asked me, and he was just like, Are you like from some kind of religion or something where you're not allowed to cuss? And I was just like, Oh, I, I guess you could put it that way. Yeah, and you know, I am a Christian, all that. And and he would always kind of try to watch what he said around me. I never went to him and said, Hey, I think cussing's bad, I think it's unchristian, I think you're you know, I think you're on your way to hell. I never did anything like that. I didn't I didn't I never had to do that. All I had to do was have sound speech and that kind of thing would make others ashamed. Because people know it's wrong. And a lot of times folks will use the excuse that everybody's doing it. But I tell you what, anybody that knows you should not be able to say that everybody's doing it. They'll say, I know somebody who doesn't do that. I know somebody that's different than that. But our speech, it ought to, if we talk about things that we shouldn't, if we use words we shouldn't, we ought to be embarrassed. And I tell you what, if you want to practice having a good testimony in your speech, make sure that your speech in private is the same as it is in public. Don't be doing it in private behind closed doors. Don't, just don't let those things come out of your mouth. I mean, put a filter on your mouth. Well, I can't help it. It's in my head. Well, then maybe you might need to change what you're listening to all the time. You know, you listen to some of the music that people are listening to these days. I mean, good night. Sometimes you go to that gas station and folks all come pulling up next to you and they're just blaring that music. And it's just, I mean, it's the you can hear the language. I'm embarrassed and I'm not the one listening to it. It's like, you know what? No wonder people talk like that. If that's the kind of music that they're listening to. That would be embarrassed about Just the other day, I was actually going through the drive thru and I was listening to a sermon. I was listening to preaching. Okay? It was good preaching, but you know, he's, he's one of these fiery preachers and stuff and I was so embarrassed because I like, just as the lady opens the drive thru, he was kind of giving an illustration and I don't even remember what it was. Exactly, but he made this statement. He was like, What makes you think the Lord's going to get a bride? And then the first thing he's going to do is punch the bride. And he said it just like that. And the lady was just like, and just got this look at her face. And I'm just like, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was like, Oh my goodness. But to what she heard, it just, you know, 
said it made sense. It was a good illustration. But she hadn't heard the whole message. And I thought, good night. What must she think? Thankfully, that was in another town. But uh, it was it was it was kind of awkward. I was embarrassed. I probably turned a little red when that happened. But boy, our speech. We need to be careful with what we say and with how we talk. We need to put a filter. Also, uh, Proverbs chapter eleven, verse thirty says the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. Our lack of soul winning and winning people to Christ ought to bring us shame. It ought to cause us to blush. Anybody that you, We've all probably been there before, at least I have, where maybe you've been asked a question that you didn't know the answer to and you look, end up looking dumb. I've looked dumb a few times in my life. And uh, nobody likes that. You feel you feel stupid. But really, the Bible says, "He that winneth souls is wise." So, if you're wise for winning souls, what are you if you are not winning souls? Well, that'd be foolish, wouldn't it? So, it's like, and really, that ought to cause us to blush a little bit. I mean, uh, none of us are winning. Everybody, we should. We're not winning the world. We're kind of losing on that. We're losing ground in the world. And I know that I'm embarrassed for myself sometimes. I'm embarrassed uh, just for Baptists because we're just not doing enough in that area. We're not winning enough people to Christ. I get embarrassed sometimes when I just read the newspaper and you'll read about some of the stuff that goes on in town. You look at the you know the police reports and you hear some of these things. You listen to the local radio. And when I hear about some of the crazy stuff that goes on, it I get embarrassed. I'm thinking, that, hey, this is my town. These are people that I need to win to Christ, and I haven't done it yet. I wonder if I've even witnessed to those folks. You know, I think it's a good thing sometimes just look at the obituary and then just think, I wonder if I ever, I wonder if I ever knocked on these people's door. I wonder if I've ever invited them to church. I wonder if I ever gave them a gospel track. And you know what? I hope that this this is one that we will never stop blushing about. Every time we hear about somebody in our community or somebody in our family, somebody that we know dying without Christ, it ought to cause us to blush a little bit. I don't think we ever... If, we, if you're ever to the point where you feel good about how many people you've won to Christ, I don't think you can be right with God. I think we can feel good about it once the whole world is saved. Until then, we ought to blush at the lack of souls being one to Christ. He that winneth souls is wise. I think it's safe to say that he that winneth not souls is foolish. And we need to, we ought to be embarrassed about that. We ought to, that ought to motivate us to want to learn more. I remember when I was a kid and those questions would be asked or whatever the trivia was and you end up looking stupid. Boy, it made me want to go and just learn about that a little bit. Because I didn't want to look dumb again. Next time I was going to be ready for that one. And we that we should always be like that when it comes to soul winning, thinking, man, I don't want to hear about another person going to hell that I never witnessed to. And uh, even in other countries, we're not sending enough missionaries out. There's not enough missionaries in some of these places. When you hear the numbers of people in some of these areas where our missionaries are going and how many churches are there and how many missionaries are there, I mean it, it just blow your mind. Mike Peters, the area that he's going to, I mean, the, I forgot what the numbers are exactly, but I mean, the area he's going to, I mean, there are just thousands and thousands of people and zero Baptist churches there. I'm, I'm embarrassed by that. 
I'm embarrassed by the fact. It makes me want to blush sometimes when I think about how the Baptists are the last ones to get to some of these mission fields. Think about the, uh, you know, they always say, you know, by the time we get there, you know, the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Charismatics, they beat us there and already kind of turned everybody off to Christ. That's sad. That that shouldn't be the case. Uh, we ought to be embarrassed by. I'm embarrassed by the lack of witness that we've done to some of these Muslim countries. In fact, uh, last time I think we were at the Kings Kids tournament, they had a missionary that spoke there. Missionary going to Turkey, Turkey to the Muslims. I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty brave, but. Then I was like, isn't that what we're supposed to be all about as Christians? Isn't that what the early church did? What the apostles did? They went to places where it was dangerous. Many of them did die. And man, I heard him talking about that. I talked to them a little bit and I got a little embarrassed. I got I was a little ashamed. I don't know if my face turned red or anything like that, but it should have. And boy, we don't have, we don't ever want to stop being ashamed of that. We need always need to keep working towards that. Don't get desensitized to it. Our lack of Bible knowledge. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Tell you what, that's that's why it's so important. You know, that's why I like Sunday school. In Sunday school, we've been talking about some of these lesser known people in the Bible. Maybe they're not really that interesting, but you know what? It's the Bible. You know, we say that we're Bible believers, and you know, we say that we teach the whole counsel of God here. But you know, I tell you what, I, I hate when I get stumped by somebody. Like sometimes, them Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, one of the things that they like to do whenever they talk to you, they they like memorize real random passages of Scripture, some real obscure thing that nobody talks about nobody knows much about and I think they do that on purpose and then they'll talk to you like I'm bad at remembering references and you'll tell them something well you know we believe that there is a hell and they'll say well what does you know Habakkuk 2.12 say I don't know <laughs> you know and if you went and read that you know it has nothing it doesn't help their argument one bit but they throw these things at you and they'll quote some verse and you're like where did you you even get that? I think they do that on purpose. But boy, I hate when I'm witnessing to somebody or I'm having a discussion with somebody and I get asked a question and I don't have a good answer for it. I don't like that. I, I get ashamed. Since we've started this church, we've had, you know, we have several folks that come here that uh, originally were not from a Baptist church that were went places that were taught different things. And there's been a couple times I've been asked questions and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go do some study on that. And that's exactly what I do. You know why? Because I just got ashamed. I hate to admit that to you. That I, I try to do my best. I study the Bible as much as I can. But sometimes I still get ashamed. And that's why we need to keep on studying it. You know, Just because you know, I got a bachelor's in theology doesn't mean I can say, you know, I can just do that. I got a bachelor's in theology. So who cares if I can't answer that question? God cares. I don't care what your degree is. I know a lot of people that have degrees in Bible that don't know very much about it. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. And so we need to we need to keep studying, do our best. Also, this is another one that ought to cause us to blush a little bit. In First John chapter two, 
Verse 28 says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Our walk with God. Abiding in Him. What's your walk with God like? If the Lord returned today, would you be embarrassed? Would you be ashamed if He came and you clearly were not ready? As Christians, our house... Our temple we have, we're supposed to keep it clean. We're supposed to keep it ready for that day when Christ comes. We've all probably been there before where somebody showed up at our home or our house that we live in, our physical house here in this earth, and it wasn't ready for company. Anybody ever been there besides besides our house? We've all been there. We've all been there before. And you're embarrassed. You're ashamed. I'll see if we can keep them outside. You know, especially the pastor if he likes to show up at random times and stuff. And you know, <laughs> you, you you never you never know. And uh, spiritually, when we have junk in our life, one of these days God is going to show up. Jesus Christ is going to return. And are we going to be ready? Are we, will we be right with Him during that time? Is our fellowship uh, with Him going to be what it's supposed to be? Or are we going to be ashamed at His coming? You know, it says, it's right there in that verse, it says, and not be ashamed at His coming. I mean, think about it. The second coming of Christ, that is the most exciting event in history. That, I mean, that is the thing, that is what's known as the blessed hope. I mean, we're looking forward to the coming of Christ. We are supposed to be excited about that. We are supposed to be thrilled about that. Not ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed at that. I mean, how would you like it if you were going to go to somebody's house and they told you, you told them you're going to be coming, you're going to be coming by, and you show up at their house and they're like, oh no. <laughs> and they're... They're not glad to see it. And it's not because of you. They're just, they're not ready. They weren't prepared. Maybe they forgot they invited you over. But how would you feel about that? They'd be like, man, you know, I thought, thought they'd be glad to see me. And it's not that they don't like you, it's just they weren't prepared. And there's not one of us in here that doesn't love Christ and doesn't want to see Him. But if we're not prepared, if we're not right with Him spiritually, then when He returns, we're going to be embarrassed. We're not going to be glad to see him, and I want to be—I want to be ready for that time. I want to be looking for it. I don't want to be embarrassed. I want to know that I'm doing what God wants me to do during that time. I don't want—I don't want to be ashamed. My dad—he—he he used to tell this or tells a story a lot. I heard growing up about his uncle was a pastor. His uncle—he uh, lived with him for a while, and was the one that uh, got his life on track and ended up starting to preach and just changed his life. But my dad, he tells a story about when he was uh, not long after that, he was going to a church somewhere. I don't remember the whole all the details about it, but he said he was not right with God during that time. He was going to church. I believe he had a Sunday school class. He was involved in the church. He was doing things in the church, but he was not right with God. And his uncle, a very, very godly man, a very wise man, one of these men that can look at you and he can see right through you. Those people scare me sometimes. <laughs> and he, he was one of those guys that, that could do that. And my dad said that when he, he found out he was going to be coming and preaching at the church that he was going to be, my dad was going to. My dad said he was, he wasn't looking forward to it. He kind of was hoping to just, you know, slip by and not know. He didn't want his uncle to see him because 
My dad knew he wasn't right with God, even though he was going to church and on the outward was doing everything right. And he said that his uncle was there at church and he was there and he preached and he was going to try to slip by. He was like, I gotta, I gotta at least say hi or something. And he went to, he went to go by him to just kind of shake his hand, say hi and everything. And he said they just made eye contact. And when he did, my dad said he just broke down crying and went and gave him a hug and just told him, so I'm not right with God. And he, they prayed. And he, he got things right that day. You know, but at the same time, you know, there's, there's been people, uh, I remember Jack Parchman, the fellow I was talking about this morning with the longest finger in the world. I remember, man, just a guy who paid a lot of attention to me all my life, even as a kid. And I remember I, I was a teenager. I was, uh, I, I don't remember how old exa- I was exactly, but I remember he just came up to me one time. And the Lord had been dealing with my heart, you know, about the ministry and, and things like that. And I remember he, he just, he just looked at me and he's like, Son, the Lord been dealing with your heart about anything. He was. He was one of these guys that he knew what the Holy Spirit was speaking to your heart about. If you were lost, he knew it. If he was, the Lord was calling you to preach, he knew it. And he did. He just asked me, has the Lord been speaking to your heart about anything? And you know, I really didn't have a good answer for him. And it wasn't because the Lord wasn't speaking to my heart, but it was because I really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. And I remember I just got convicted by it. I felt bad, and you know what? Whenever he was around after that, I was almost kind of embarrassed. I was afraid he was going to ask me that question again. But I remember when I finally got that right, and when I finally answered that call to preach, I couldn't wait to see him that next time. I couldn't wait to tell him about how the Lord had called me to preach and I had surrendered to the ministry. I was excited. I was excited to see him the next time. And when you're right with God, I mean, you're going to be looking forward to his coming. When you're you're gonna you're gonna be excited about it. When you're right with God, you're gonna look forward to seeing other people of God and other godly people. You're gonna look forward to going to the house of God because you know you're in the will of God. You know you're doing right, and you're you're just you want to tell people about it. But when you're not, boy, you're, you should be embarrassed. It ought to cause you to be ashamed. It ought to cause you to blush. But then the last thing that ought to embarrass us. Is our sin nature. Romans chapter 6, verse 20 says, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Listen, I understand we're all, we all have sin natures, but you know, I don't like this attitude that's pretty big in churches and religion today that, hey, you know, we're all sinners. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, I understand it's okay in the sense that Christ still loves you. And if you confess that sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you. I understand that. But I don't understand folks that after they supposedly get saved are totally okay with still living the same lifestyle. After we learn what sin is and what sin cost Jesus Christ, it ought to cause us to be ashamed to do those sins. When we talk about the things that we did before we were saved, well, I'd be a little embarrassed about it. Well, I'd be ashamed of the fact, yeah, I used to do that. Okay, I'm not trying to beat anybody up for it. I'm not trying to do that. I understand you were a sinner, you were without Christ, you were dead, and your trespasses and sins. But boy, some people, it's like they brag about it. It's like they're proud of what they used to do before they got saved. I don't believe that's the attitude that we're supposed to have. It says, the things whereof ye are now ashamed. Obviously the lost folks 
are not ashamed by their behavior. They're not ashamed of their language. They're not ashamed of the behavior, the clothes, any of those things. They're not ashamed by that. But boy, I worry a little bit when we have churches full of people that are living just like they did before they got saved and don't seem to care one bit. I told a lady who visited this church one time, she was very, very confused about the whole tongues thing. She'd been going to church that believed you needed to speak in tongues to be saved, and she was concerned because she'd never spoken tongues. She'd never got the gift. And I told, and I was talking to her about it and explaining to her from the Bible why, why tongues was, what she was talking about was had nothing to do with the Bible. But I remember one of the things I told her is I said, you know what? I said, at our church, I said, you're not going to see folks you know, running, jumping up and down the aisles. You're not going to see him passing out and getting slain in the Spirit. It's like you're not going to see anybody speaking in tongues. But one thing that I believe you'll see in our church is you're going to, is after folks admit they're a sinner and call on Christ for salvation, you might not see a whole lot happen in that moment. They might just say a little prayer. But as you watch their lives, I said you will see a changed life. Because that's what happens when people get saved. You'll see people who maybe used to be drunks who no longer drink anymore, who don't have problems. I mean, and I, I named all these things and I gave examples of people I knew and it really got her attention because she had some family that she was concerned about that their lives were a wreck. And she wanted to see a difference. And one of the things that she mentioned about the church that she was going to is these same people that would speak in tongues on a regular basis lived wicked during the rest of the week. Lived just like her daughter that she was wanting to see his life changed. And I told her, I said, I said, that's, I said that's, there's, no, there's no salvation in that one bit. When, God, when Jesus Christ moved in, there's going to be some things that change. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And when we're at a point especially as a Christian, where things aren't making us blush, something is really, really wrong. Something, I mean, there, there are things that ought to embarrass us. When your face turns red, next time you get embarrassed by one of these things, thank God for it. Because there are those that can't blush. There's nothing that shames them. There's nothing that makes them feel bad. Don't let that be the case with you. Maybe you're that way in some areas. Ask God to give you that blush back. Ask Him to make you ashamed. So let's stand together. Our heads bowed and eyes closed.